You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. I'd like to begin to call in the ancestors to be with us here today. So I call out to all of those who are good and true and beautiful in your ancestral line and mine, not just those of you who are listening now live, but those who will listen at any time, because these ancestors are all of our ancestors, because we are one family, this family of humanity in the eyes of spirit. So I call out to our ancestors, those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful, the legacy that can help us to learn from those who have gone before us. It is on their shoulders that we stand, and may we stand firm today, stand for what is meaningful, what is true, and what has heart in our lives and in our world. So I call out to these ancestors to gather around us here today to hold us well, that these proceedings might evolve in a way that allows each one of us to be better able, better guided, better supported in doing what we've come here to do, we the living, we who are here with the free will, making things happen, making things evolve and grow and change in the world. So with that understanding and that responsibility, let us reach down through our body into the earth and call out to the most ancient and very essential ancestor, the earth. She who gives us home, she who has dreamt the great beauty of life here on this planet in its enormous diversity. We call out to the earth, the earth, the being. We call out to her and ask her to be with us here today, to give us a firm place to stand, a place to call home, a place to feel that we belong, a place to look out with our senses and feel enormous beauty. And for some, enormous destruction at this time and let us know that destruction is what comes before the rebirth of things and let us all work together that that which is born anew is not simply an old version of that which went before but that we co-create together something that is new and vital and exciting and is crafted from the energies that are present here today so we call out to the earth to rise up within us and remind us that all things are connected That we are connected to everything in a great oneness. And that oneness is a great responsibility even as it is a great hope and a great support. So we call out to the earth to be within us here today to move through us, to move into our hearts and our minds and to reach all the way up through us up into the sky. Through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos to the very highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call that power, please call it down into yourself, into your day, and into these proceedings. So we call out to the energy above to bring us the divine blessing, to bring us protection and generosity and benevolence, to help us to recognize in life the mentors and the champions of our cause and to allow them to help us. So we call out to those energies from above to come down, to inspire us, to connect with the energies of the earth, and to bring that energy into the wholeness, the wholeness that we call the Tao, from which all life as we understand it in form emerges. 
And so with the energy from the sky brought down and the energy of the earth brought up and mixed within us, let us open and call out to the space of the heart. And let the spirit of the heart be with us here today. And may the heart be the powerful crucible that it is designed to be, to call up the fiery passions of our belly and the cool clarity of the mind, and to bring those two energies together in a way that neither one dominates, neither one overruns or diminishes the other. But we ask these energies to dance together, that what might be birthed from that dance is your knowing of your soul's true purpose. And there in the heart may you find the courage to bring that purpose into manifestation today in your life. So with the spirits gathered round, we give thanks for their help and their support. I thank you for calling them into yourself and your own life. And we ask that as these proceedings go forward, may they go forward in a way that is good for all living things, that what needs to be said is said and what needs to be heard is heard. So I also want to give thanks to the infusion of donations to Why Shamanism Now that has been coming in in the recent weeks. I greatly appreciate it, and my hope that this show might someday be fully listener-supported is renewed. Thanks to all of you who have taken action. I want to especially thank Rebecca and Indrik and Stephen and all of those listeners who have donated to the show, especially those of you that have donated small amounts. I know that there's a feeling of, oh my goodness, all I have is $4 or 2 rubles or, you know, three euros or whatever to offer but every single bit goes to keeping the show on the air and if a thousand of you did that we'd be sitting pretty so don't hesitate it doesn't matter if it's a humble offering if it is an offering of the heart it is grand and magnificent and i thank you all and i also want to thank uh duane durad for his inspiration um duane uh, found the show and has been I don't know, listening to shows sort of randomly. And he stumbled on the Courageous Heart series from quite a while ago, actually, the four, the four um, shows in a row about the Courageous Heart teachings and found them to be what he needed. He, he sent me a letter thanking me with a generous, generous donation, which I'm very grateful for, and just considered it continuing ed. He's going to put it in a line item in his taxes and call it good. And I just was so inspired. <laughs> I just love the story. So thank you, Duane. I hope that you uh, your story will inspire others. So if this show is meaningful for you in any way, even if it irritates you, but if it moves you in some way, then you've been moved in the heart. And I ask you to act as we are taught to act through shamanic teachings, to act from the heart in some way to um, strengthen the show, either to donate or to send in questions. I've been getting great questions, wonderful ideas for new shows, and to share the show with others and to help um, the show continue to grow. Even those of you that are internet savvy, liking the show, um, linking it to your own uh, website so that your website links back to our website, all of these things help Google find us. And if Google can find us, other people can find us, and other people can find us, we might all be able to change the world. And that would be a very cool thing. So I want to thank you all for all the many things you're doing to help me keep this show on the air. And we give special thanks to Co-Creator Network just because they're cool and we like them. So for those of you that don't know how to um, uh, support the show, go to whyshamanism.com and click on the support button. You can donate um, online or if you are insecure with that, which is perfectly fine, we don't care, go ahead and send me an email, christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I'd be happy to give you an address to mail a check. Uh, So thank you all, truly. 
So today, the show is inspired by another listener's questions. And this is, the show is basically, so what do you do after a shamanic healing? And so the show today is about integration and um, following up after shamanic healing experiences. And we are live today. I'm here with you in person. And you are invited to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you're always welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, which, by the way, is also the website, which, if I had it up to date, would have all of the upcoming classes. So I thought I would mention this really quickly because I've just been utterly and completely delinquent in keeping the site up to date. But for those of you that email because you want to study with me, two ways to study with me are beginning. Um... The first year of the four-year training is beginning uh, in October here in Portland. It will meet in October, January, and April for three three three-day weekends. Um, It is a non-residential workshop, so the price is um, greatly dropped because uh, room and board are not included. Um, And so that is an option for you to begin the four-year cycle with me this year. And then there is a um, simpler step. For those who are local, that is a nine-month, one Friday, one Saturday a month for nine months. If you give me nine months, I'll give you a new life. Um, These are basic skills for living well in the world. Um, They are based on the shamanic journey, but it is not shamanic training per se. It's really a training about how to be a human. And for those of you that just want to get your toe in the water and are not ready to dive into four years of training, this is a great option for working with me and um, just seeing how the teachings feel in your life. Um, and then for more advanced practitioners, there will be an ancestral healing training offered in the winter, uh, November or December, and also a rest, um, a renewal and restoration for practitioners of any kind who journey um, called Outlaw Shamanism. And this is about working with ritual and ceremony um, for ourselves and our own restoration. And the outlaw piece is about understanding when do we break the rules of tradition or of our teachers that have given us because the rules aren't working. And when do we stick to the rules um, no matter how hard it is and how do we know the difference. So um, that's what's coming up here at Last Mass Center. So back to our... um, I won't have to give you those announcements if I can just get my website updated. But anyway, it's not, so there we are. So today, we're um, answering the question, so what do I do after shamanic healing? So I had an exceedingly practical version of this show developed, um, and then um, the weather changed, frankly, and I got out of that very practical summertime, yang place and shifted a little bit into what is more comfortable for me, which is a little more internal, and thought, hmm... Let's look at why we even have to ask that question because that is really what underlies um, our inability to truly harvest the deep benefits shamanic healing has to offer us. It is the reason we still can't seem to figure out what a real shaman is and what they do and understand ourselves inherently how to follow up. And, And I don't mean that in a judgmental sense. Um, oh, you silly person, you don't know how to follow up. I mean more, what is it about our culture here in the U.S. and many of the Western thinking worlds that makes it so that we don't get it? I mean, on a really deep level, people, we don't get it. So why? Why do we have to ask? 
what do I do after shamanic healing? Now, the first reason is because shamanic healing means many, many things. So shamanic healing encompasses all the different ways of bringing energy back to a person that should be present in their energy body and for whatever reason the energies are not. So this could be something as fundamental to a person as a fragment of their soul. It could be something important to a person's energy body, some sort of chakra energy or archetypal energy or some sort of energy that is meant to be resident in the body but is not. Uh, because of soul of some kind of loss or theft of energy, um, it could also be power loss from a shamanic perspective. We are meant to be doing our life in tandem with spirit help, and when we are stripped of that spirit help for whatever reason, we often um, suffer. Life is just simply harder than it needs to be, and that is considered a shamanic illness. Um, let's see, we're still with energy in. Oh, and then the other form of energy that is brought back to us is often some kind of gift or blessing from the spirit world, and then finally information. Um, And I mean information that goes beyond just the diagnosis of the problem, but is more into um, information you may need. Like often I will get um, a diagnosis of the person's problem, and half the remedy is information they need about how to go get healing somewhere else because it's not a shamanic problem. Uh, So that's what I mean by information. Now, within that... I haven't gotten the energy out yet, but within shamanic healing, that also encompasses information you might receive about, about, about some sort of ritual or ceremony that you need to perform to achieve whatever it is that you're wanting to achieve in terms of your health and your well-being and, and living your purpose in the world. So, you know, we've already covered huge territory in just that first piece. And then, of course, another aspect of shamanic healing is the energies get removed. So it could be something as simple as cleansing, and what could be cleansed could be simply your own bad ideas. I mean, people curse themselves all the time, every day in America, by just being attached to these um, thought processes that are disempowering and believing and and holding these ideas about themselves as beliefs. And so um, there's cleansings, there's extractions where an energy is more localized. It could be in the form of an, an illness or a tumor or something like that, but it doesn't have to be. Energies get extracted and then big energies get extracted and when they're that big and complex, we start to call them depossessions. But the point is, this is all energy out and how you follow up with the different energies um, being removed is different depending on what level of energy is being removed. Um, and then in a shamanic healing session, at least with me, there's always, and, and, and others, but in particular with me, there's always shamanic healing. And there's a very specific, uh, I'm sorry, ancestral healing. And there's a very specific way to follow up with ancestral healing. So part of the problem with the question, so how do I follow up after shamanic healing, is my first question with someone would be, well, what happened? What got done? How did the energy get moved around? Because what makes, what, it's okay, so what makes a shamanic healing different from some sort of kind of energy channeling sort of experience, which I am not, which is a perfectly lovely thing to go get as long as the person is accurate, right? So what's the difference? The difference with a shamanic healing is not only is there a channeling of information or a divination of some kind, right, and an explanation of what needs to be done. So the energy is identified to simplify it is that energy needs to be moved usually one way or another in, out, somewhere. 
or transformed through ritual or perhaps ceremony. So, so my point is that we need to understand as the receiver of shamanic healing, we need to understand what just happened if we want to be able to take responsibility to follow up. So then that goes back to the responsibility and the practitioner to make sure that they've communicated what happened in your session to the degree that you can actually understand where the energy moved to so that you can begin to use some common sense about how to follow up. So why don't we understand any of these things? Well, they all have to do with the health of the soul and how various energies impact the relationship between the soul and your physical expression of the soul. In other words, you and your day is a physical expression of your soul. Now, some people don't really allow it to come through very deeply, but nonetheless, the point is the reason we don't really understand this very well is we do not think of ourselves in our day from the soul first perspective. It's not culturally a norm in America. So that's our first challenge, first reason we don't really understand what to do after shamanic healing and why we don't even understand shamanic healing because we don't really even understand the idea that you are soul first. And then the soul is then expressed through your energy body and your physical body. And those two things communicate. We don't see things that way, so we don't really understand. So each different type of shamanic healing needs to be integrated differently because the energy is moving differently. So, for example, if you are given a divination, which is part diagnosis usually, but you may be given information you need to follow up on. Uh, In other words, you've been given instructions. And I, I cannot tell you how often people are given very clear instructions through the divination part of a session of what to do. And they still ask me, but what do I do? Well, you do what spirit just told you to do. And if you don't know how to do that, then you certainly can ask, well, how do I do that? But it is amazing to me how much money Americans spend going to psychics and channels and diviners and then they do nothing with the information they are given. It's actually the single reason I stopped doing energy readings because it was just a source of more information in people's lives and it wasn't a prescription. People in America don't take it as a prescription. Now in countries, in in countries I've traveled to to work with indigenous shamans, the indigenous people treat it as a prescription just like a note from their doctor, and they do what they've been told to do. And that's the first thing you need to understand about shamanic healing is you're being given a prescription directly from spirit. You need to get off your butt and do it, whatever that takes. And if you need support doing that, you need to ask for support to do that. But that's a really important piece of shamanic healings that goes undone on a regular basis. So now if you're in the energy... Um, in side of shamanic healing. So in other words, you've received a helping spirit or a power animal of some kind, which is also helping spirit. You've received some energy. Some energy has been retrieved for you or um, a soul part has or parts have been retrieved for you. So any kind of energy that's been brought back to you in Christina's school of thought needs to be integrated. Now, This is one of the areas in which I am not everybody's favorite person. However, in my 20 years of experience, which is a lot of soul retrievals, 
I have seen a vast difference in the quantity and quality of the change people experience from their soul retrievals when they actively integrate their soul parts. There is, for many people, initially after a soul retrieval in the first couple weeks, um, changes that sort of take care of themselves. Granted, I understand that. Yes, that is true. And that is about 20% of the change you can get out of a soul retrieval healing. But you have to actually integrate the soul parts to get that other 80%. That's my experience. Now, not everybody agrees with me. And that's fine. Um, And we'll talk about why in a minute. Uh, But the other thing about shamans is shamans are bringing their gifts to the world through being shamans. And so what is unique about a person is emerging then through their shamanic practice. And so the gifts and the the strengths and the qualities they bring into this life should be, in an ideal world, expressed through their shamanic practice. So integration is one of the strengths of my practice because it's part of an it's an expression of my gifts and skills as a person. And so these these the the abilities and qualities that allow me to do that well with my clients have been part of my life forever. So that's how I work. You might work with someone who's great at bringing energy back for you, but really doesn't have the skills to do the integration. And in that case, I hope you have an exceedingly good therapist. Um, because some, there are other schools of healing, other modalities of healing that are high in their capacity to support you in integration. So, you know, it just depends on the person. Uh, but one of the reasons that integration is an important part of my shamanic practice is because it's an important part of my own healing, but it's also something I have a knack for. So let's just, so there you go. Um, and like I said, this is not a, a topic in shamanism that makes me the favorite person at the shaman party, believe me, um, because there's a whole lot of people that don't want this to be true because it's a piece they don't do and they don't know how to do. So there. Um, All right, so we're talking about what do you do after shamanic healing? All right, so if that was energy brought back needs to be integrated. The beauty in that is from a shamanic perspective, any energy that got brought back to you can communicate with you. And in communicating with you, the energy and you can determine what needs to be done to help it to integrate. Now, you need to understand conceptually the integration, but once you have that, if you have an ability to tune in, you can integrate the parts. It's not hard. You just need to understand it and have the patience and the creativity to do it. Now, so number three would be energies that get removed, like cleansings and extractions and depossessions. Now, granted, these are on a, on a highly increasing scale of severity here. But nonetheless, if energies are being removed, bottom line, as an energy being, you allowed them in. That's the bottom line. No energy gets in. It's, you know, it's a lot like vampires, right? They can't come in if you don't invite them in. That's how this kind of energy works. Invasive energy is opportunistic. And somewhere in your own negative thinking, in your own um, unresolved issues from your childhood, in the parts of yourself that you have neglected to bring into the shining, warm, brilliant light of your consciousness and your heart in this moment potentially becomes a way in, an opportunity. 
invasive energies are at their core lazy and opportunistic. And so when I have worked with indigenous shamans, the one thing they all say is your greatest protection is your ability to be 100% present in your body in the moment with your spirit help and to not have energy deflecting into these unresolved issues from the past. So what that means then in terms, at, in terms of integra- um, following up from any kind of shamanic healing that is removing energies is your follow-up needs to be to find the opportunity I talk with it, talk with people about it as the window or the door. What did you leave open? What in the house of you did you leave open so that this vagrant energy could wander in and take up residence and then begin to tear up the house? I mean, you you did that because it is your body. No one else is responsible for you and your body and your presence here in your life. It's not that you are to blame. It's that you are accountable for yourself. And so finding the door or window, metaphorically speaking, that is open and understanding what you need to do to close it. What belief do you need to release and replace by a higher belief that resonates more clearly with the truth? What um, old issue do you need to resolve? Um, From my perspective in soul retrieval, any major intrusion, uh, the root of the problem is soul loss. That that the, re- the door that got left open was left open by the soul part as it exited whenever it did and that these things are intimately intertwined. But the point is, you need to go back and close the doors and windows. There is an aspect of the physical body most people don't understand, including our allopathic medical system. But out, there are many forms of alternative care that are very aware of this and working on how you do it. And the thing is this. When you injure something in your body, your body has a lot of natural mechanisms that will shut impulses down to that body. So like if you break a leg, the nerves will start shutting down to that area so you don't continue to use it and further harm it. And it's a self-protective mechanism. As you heal, all those uh, switches that got flipped off, they do not all necessarily get switched back on. And this is true in your physical body. It is similarly true in your emotional body. It is similarly true in your mental body. And it's true in your spirit body. Things get turned off in protection and they do not organically get turned back on again just because you've had a healing revelation. And so it's important to follow things to their logical conclusion, find out why, and do what is necessary from a healing perspective to close the doors and windows. And finally, I would add ancestral healing because I do a lot of ancestral healing. And in a, um, in a good ancestral healing, what is left for you to do is to find that ancestral pattern in your own life, in the many manifestations which will be present in your life. There's no way around it. And do the transformational work you need to do to release that pattern of behavior, thought, feeling, whatever it is, and um, begin to live from a pattern that once again resonates with where your heart and your mind are at this time. Um, And then the final piece of how do you follow up from a shamanic healing session would be when you receive some kind of energy body healing. 
And usually if you receive something from spirit about how to reconstruct or repair or restore your energy body, there is very likely something you need to do to maintain that. Now, the easiest version, for example, if you're off in the Amazon doing ayahuasca and the shaman does blah, blah, blah to you and simply says, these are the taboos you must follow for the next three weeks or two months or whatever it is, follow the taboos. By not doing certain things, you will allow the energy body time to um, gel, to set in this new form that the shaman has constructed. And in that particular kind of healing, the shaman's energy stays present with you until the energy is done. And so to follow the taboos also protects the shaman, uh, who is generously lending their energy to you so that your energy body can transform. Um, But similarly, often when people are given some kind of instruction or repair to the energy body, there is something they need to either not do or do to um, allow that new structure to become the new energy habit in their life. So you got to do something repeatedly or stop doing something else repeatedly for a period of time. And you know what? I find contemporary people have the attention span of gnats. I mean, they'll do something for two days and then they're on to the next thing. Taking another workshop, doing another thing, and not really following through. Um, I have been blessed, thanks to the radio show, with the opportunity to work with a woman in Israel, which is a long distance from me. And we did one soul retrieval session. And she has been brilliant and courageous and diligent in integrating the soul parts that came back to her. It is, um, she's faced many things she didn't want to necessarily have to look at, and she's done this and worked through many issues because the soul parts have asked her to. She's tried new things. She has worked um, with great heart and great courage and great perseverance with the soul parts to get them integrated. And it has been um, restorative for me to witness this from afar. Um, and just encourage her really along the way um, because I am able to see what can truly come to an individual who is willing to follow up on their shamanic healing and not just jump on to the next thing. I mean, she's living her life. She's working. She's a mom. She's a, a wife. She's a woman. You know, she's got stuff to do like everybody else. But she's made this a priority for two months and it has utterly and completely changed her life and has been an absolute honor to observe this once again. That if we commit to that which we have received from spirit through the shamanic healing and we follow all of it to the logical conclusion within ourselves and we support the changes that need to be made in the energy body to make it so, then our lives can be changed by a single shamanic healing. Assuming that the healing itself was done well. But that's going to be our assumption throughout the whole show today. Okay. So, now, many contemporary practitioners don't believe integration is necessary. And this comes mainly from two stances. One is ignorance. And I mean this in the most innocent sense. They're contemporary people. They've just learned about shamanic healing. This is what their teachers taught them. And they don't have enough experience or... uh, 
are not being told by their helping spirits because they're not asking the questions that this is necessary. So they trust their teachers and they go forward and they balk at the idea that integration would be necessary. And so there are many people out there who mean well and are trying to do good shamanic healing. They just are uninformed about integration, the potential and the possibility in it. Um, so I mean ignorance in, in, the, in the best sense of that word. They just simply don't know. And so they, they can't be held accountable for what they just don't know. Now, the other reason, though, is much more important of why people believe integration isn't necessary. And that is because traditionally integration isn't necessary. And that's a really important thing to understand because many people feel, many contemporary practitioners, feel that they draw their power and their right to practice from a tradition. In other words, the idea that I have been, this is hypothetical by the way, the idea that I have been selected by a Lakota medicine person to study with them for however many years and have been you know, given certain teachings that I now have the right to take out into the world and to teach is what gives me the power to practice. This sort of indigenous stamp of approval. And so tradition then becomes exceedingly precious for the wrong reasons. I think tradition is exceedingly precious. It's exceedingly important. Do not get me wrong. But understand what I'm saying. Every healer, every shaman, we'll just stick with the shamans, every shaman must validate their right to stand up and do the shamanic work they're doing from themselves and their own relationship with spirit. This is not about claiming traditional lines. This is not about, oh, my grandfather this or 18 generations that. Because we all know people in, in very deep lines of inheritance that do not merit or deserve that which they have inherited. And this is true in shamanism as well. So the fact that I have 19 generations of shamans in my family, which I'm not aware of having, but hypothetically, that fact means nothing relative to me. My work or the work of any shaman must stand up and be validated by its merit. And the merit of any shamanic healing is going to come through the relationship between that individual in present time and their relationship with spirit. One of the most valuable things about tradition is that it strengthens our ability by teaching us how to make a relationship with spirit. So again, tradition is golden. I'm not saying tradition is a bad thing. I'm saying the misuse of tradition is an abuse of power. To claim your value from some collected stamp of approval from training with this shaman here and that shaman there and this medicine person here without being able to deliver the goods is an abuse of power. And so to you now, so back to, let me get off that soapbox. Sorry. Let me climb down, climb it down, climb it down. Okay. Off the soapbox, back to the point. Tradition as a reason, we do not believe in a need for um, integration. Okay. Why? Why did traditional people not need to integrate? Now, this is a really important thing to understand because it goes back to the question of why we even need to ask, how do I integrate my shamanic healing? An indigenous person, let's talk about pre-contact people because it's a little confusing today because there's a lot of indigenous people whose lives and cultures and way of viewing the world are completely changed by the dominant culture. So let's just talk about pre-contact indigenous people, shamanic people. 
So why didn't they need to integrate? Why didn't they need the same reason they didn't need to ask, what do I do after shamanic healing? Because when an indigenous person, a pre-contact indigenous person experienced some kind of shamanic trauma, it was noticed. It didn't become an annoying family story at the Thanksgiving table about how you started getting D's when everybody moved to the new town and you entered seventh grade without your best friend. In, in, a, in a pre-contact shamanic culture, soul loss is noticed immediately. The change in someone's, someone's being is, is noticed and the healing is sought out. There is an understanding in these cultures for what it means for a human to be well in the world, to be connected with the spirits of their environment, of their ancestors, of their own soul's purpose, with their own soul. And that there is an awareness, as I said earlier in the show, of being a soul in a physical life connected to a physical world, which is also inspirited. And so there's an awareness of these two worlds. And this awareness is brought into someone's life from the time that they're a child. And so when shamanic trauma, for lack of a better word, happens, the, 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 the change is noticed. Whether it's a loss or an intrusion of energy, the effect is noticed. The healing is received. So now this is the most important point in terms of integration. And so the person who experienced the shamanic trauma does not have time to adapt to the new way of living, either with the loss of a part of themselves or with this intrusion of energy. Either way, it doesn't really matter what the shamanic problem is. We adapt. Contemporary people experience intrusions, um, sort of light possessions, soul loss, these things continually throughout life in a normal, happy American household. So imagine what's happening in the not happy American households, right? I know two kids who were raised by meth-cooking, drug-addict parents who lost their kids to the, the social systems for obvious reasons, only to have the children adopted by the grandparents and given back to the parents, And all the grandparents have done is become a way to subvert the system to get the kids back to their drug-addicted children because the grandparents aren't willing to see the truth about their own children and are thus creating damage in the life of the grandchildren. Now, there's soul loss all around for all of these people. But the point is this is a normal contemporary family, right? And so in an indigenous culture, the trauma is noticed. The healing is received within a reasonably short timeline, and the person doesn't have time to adapt. So these two kids, right, raised by the drug addict parents and the crazy grandparents, right, they have had to adapt continuously, probably every year of their entire life, to more and more soul loss, more and more intrusion of energy because um, a, a, a drug environment tends to draw certain kinds of energies to it. There's lots to feed on in that environment because there's lots of wounded people in that environment. And so these kids have been subjected to shamanic nightmare basically their entire life, right? And they have adapted. The force of their will and their spirit and their heart, they have marshaled on. They are healthy. They are well. They were adopted by a lovely family in Portland. They're great. 
and they are in a state of shamanic distress. And they, if they do not receive shamanic healing, they will continue to adapt throughout their life. Unlike the indigenous kid uh, whose issues would have been noticed and they would have been addressed. So they would not have had to adapt. And so what's really happening in integration or follow-up or any of the things you need to do after a shamanic healing is you are unadapting to all of the many ways physically, emotionally, psychologically, um, and spiritually that you adapted to the shamanic problem, shamanic traumatic problem in the first place. It's the reason you are still alive to come and ask for the shamanic healing now. So it's not a bad thing that you adapted. But that adaptation is not true. It's coping. But it's not your truth. And what we want to do through shamanic healing is restore the truth of who you are in your body, who you are in your heart, who you are in your mind, and most importantly, who you are in your soul. And to let you do what resonates with all four aspects of your being to be the person you've come here to be. That's the purpose of shamanic healing. That is the goal of shamanic healing is that wholeness. Now, maintaining that wholeness in individuals is also the goal of pre-contact shamanic cultures because small, small, closely knit, intimate communities function best if the community is trying to maintain that for its individuals. So, what happens in a community that isn't maintaining that for their individuals? Right? We're experiencing lots of shamanic trauma throughout your everyday normal American life and we are adapting. And we are adapting and we are adapting and we are adapting. So what integration and follow-up and the changes uh, that we need to do after shamanic healing are is the way by which we unadapt and return to who we were truly meant to be, which is not really a going backwards but a going forwards. And I always remind people especially when they've received energies coming back, that they're the present time person and they're receiving these energies coming back. And at the other end of a good integration, there will be a third person that does not exist right now who is inhabiting their life. That the person who asked for the shamanic healing will be transformed fundamentally by that healing and a new person will emerge. But that's, of course, the reason people come to shamanic healing is they want that kind of change. So that's a good thing. So, okay, so I'll move along from this point. But that's my, why I believe that most people do not, most shamanic practitioners don't understand profoundly the need for integration is because they're being trained by traditional people who didn't have a need for integration. It's not part of traditional shamanic healing, shamanic training. But we're not traditional people, people. We're contemporary people. Um, living in West, most of us in Western-dominated cultures or cultures that may not be but are becoming ever more Western-dominated, right? So we're not traditional people. Bless the hearts of those of you who still are, and, and I mean it sincerely, more power to you. But we're not. I'm not. I got raised in Roseburg, Oregon in American public school, right? I'm about as contemporary as they come, right? So that's who I am. And that is who the people who are who come to me. And so I need to practice shamanism for these people. And these people need integration. They need guidance in how to follow up with shamanic healing. Because the way we've mostly been raised, we don't even understand the shamanic healing in the first place. Much less what we should do to follow up. And there's a, there's a legitimate reason for that. And that's all I'm advocating for today. Is for us to wake up and understand 
where the traditions don't cover the current reality, which means we need to, with spirit, create new traditions. And this is the essence of my practice, is where do we need to create new traditions and where do we honor the old traditions and how do we use the old traditions to help us understand the questions to ask and the structure by which we do create new traditions. But that's what Last Mass Center is. It's a new tradition. It's shamanism based on the past, on the shoulders of the ancestors, for contemporary people and the versions of all of the old problems humans had before that are the contemporary versions. And how do we use shamanic healing to address us here today without being made to feel wrong somehow that we're not traditional first contact indigenous people, right? We're a mess, but we can get fixed. We've got the help of spirit. Nothing's impossible. So for the rest of us, we are energy bodies living in an energy world. And while we are at, while at the same time, we are physical bodies living in a physical world. All the while, spirit in the shamanic sense, is infusing all of it with an unnameable life force that makes all things alive. So as contemporary people, we sort of have no idea what that means. But in the simplest sense, and this isn't simple in the day-to-day, but in the simplest sense, you are a spirit body, a mental body, an emotional body, emotional or heart body, and a physical body. And these bodies all play a part in your energy body. And your energy body is part energy structures like energy meridians and chakras and the things that are, have been noticed um, time in and time out by people. And are part energy that follows your thoughts. And so your energy body is part structure, in quotes, and part you. What you're thinking. What are your thoughts right now? What were they this morning? What will they be tonight at the end of a long work day? Your thoughts are shaping your energy body in every moment. The part of your energy body that is moved by your thoughts. Now, this is, of course, the part of life that all of these like gajillion self-help books are talking about. And various and sundry teachers that are really powerfully teaching people at the power of their mind. Granted, true, yes, it's just not the whole story. Because that, that body of the mind then and its effect on the energy body is also affected by the energy of the heart. And the energy of the heart is not dominated by the energy of the mind, by the way, people. And nor is the energy of the physical body. It can be distorted by the mind, but not ultimately dominated. And ultimately, and all of this, of course, is the energy of the spirit. And all of these energies come together in your energy body to say nothing of the simple structures that already exist. In other words, you cannot decide with the power of your mind that your heart chakra is a problem and you don't want one. So you're just going to will it away through your meditations. It doesn't work that way. It's a structure. You can certainly suck all the energy out of it. So it's not a very healthy heart chakra, but you're still going to have a heart chakra. It's a structure. right? So the part of your energy body where the form follows your thoughts can't it can certainly distort or enhance, but it can't destroy the structures. Our mind's really not that special. Anyway, moving right along, back to integration. So all of these bodies play a part in your energy body. So what is my point? My point is, is that we don't know what to do after a shamanic healing session because we don't know how to deal with the soul in the first place, even when everything is great. We certainly don't know what to do when things go sideways. 
So what do we do after a shamanic healing session? That is the question of the day. Well, that depends on what happened in your session. And it is the practitioner's responsibility to make sure that you understand what happened to the best of their ability. And uh, this isn't true with indigenous practitioners because indigenous people already have a context for shamanic healing. So they don't need things clarified. They understand what it means to say, you know, the soul part that got lost when you fell down the cliff into the river and were left there overnight by yourself fending off wolves with a stick. Your soul part that left when that happened has been returned. And you go, okay, great, thanks. Right? Because that just happened a few weeks ago. You're still mending your physical wounds. And now that your soul part is back, they're going to heal even better. And there's a context for what it means to have a soul part come back and how that will affect the healing of your body. We don't have that context. That's why we don't know. So anyway, Stacia, ask in an email to know more about soul retrieval and how and why spirits attach to themselves. Now, I love this question. It's a beautiful question. There's nothing wrong with this question. But what I love about this question is it really beautifully shows what is going on for a typical American who might have the courage and trust a friend and be willing to go and do a shamanic healing is you have no context for the healing. Because the question, the simple question of I want to know more about soul retrieval and how or why spirits attach themselves to us is a a question where it's about apples and oranges, but the person asking doesn't have enough context to know that. That's where we are in beginning to engage with shamanic healing. Now, we should definitely engage with shamanic healing, but we need to understand. So part of her question is, what is soul retrieval? What is a soul part? How do I integrate my soul parts? The other part of the question is about extraction and depossession. How or why do other energies or other spirits attach themselves to us and what do I do about that? Those are two entirely different questions because one is about energy in and how do I follow up after that? That's the soul retrieval part. And the other is about energy out. What do I do to follow up with this extraction or depossession work that was done for me? And then we haven't even gotten into the ancestral healing follow-up. So the important thing then is to understand If there are energies that have been brought back to you, that were originally resident in your energy body, any energy that was part of your energy body can communicate with you. And it can tell you what it needs for you to start doing or stop doing so that it can integrate. And that is integration in the simplest sense of working with the energies that are brought back to you. For energies that have been release through extraction or depossession, assuming the practitioner did a good job, then in a sense, it's done. Yahoo! But you need to find, and this is like, I mean, ferret out. You need to truly discover in your deep, dark places where you tend to not go, even with a good flashlight, how those energies got in. Where is the door or the window that has been left open? And what do I do to close it? And this is a perfectly good reason someone might come back to do a follow-up session with me. If they had an extraction or depossession with me and didn't know how to find the opening that allowed those energies in, then that would be another session. And that would be the purpose of that session, to explore that, to ask Spirit to help illuminate that for us and to give us a path forward for that particular person to close that particular window or door in their life. Okay. 
So Stacia continues in her email. I still feel a bit confused by the meanings of the places where the shaman went. Um, so this would probably probably be the lower world and the upper world and the middle world. Um, well, in general, since this is about energies coming back to you, it doesn't really matter if you understand that part. It'd be nice if you did, but it's not really important. The important thing is the energies have been brought back, put back in your body. They're here right now with you in the middle world, and you need to be communicating with them. There isn't necessarily any inherent meaning in whether the shaman went to the upper world or the lower world to find your soul part other than the fact that it wasn't with you. And that's the important thing about soul loss is it's not there. So now shamans um, journey very differently. They get messages very differently. For some shamans, where the parts are found is very important. But they should have communicated that importance to you. It would be um, that context is relative to the shaman and they need to communicate that, not universally relative to you. Um, So for me, I don't... When I'm journeying for other people, I have no sense of upper world, middle world, or lower world. It's not important to me. What's important to me is where the parts are found and what the energy is like there. Because that helps us to understand not only why the part left, but what it takes to free the part from that location is foreshadowing of what it will take to integrate the part. So for me, where the part was found is important, not in terms of what is the exact memory from my life that kind of coincides with that? But more because as a metaphor, it helps us to understand the part better and understand the integration. So Stacia also asks about gifts. Um, what do I do with these gifts? And that, of course, depends on what the gifts are. If the gifts are gifts of your own energy, then once they've been returned to you in the session, they need to be integrated and then used in the world. Sometimes the gift is an energy, uh, sometimes the gift, yeah, is an energy from spirit. Now, then it would really depend on the gift, what you're supposed to do with it. So usually for me, if spirit's giving a client a gift, I usually ask right then, what is the person supposed to do with it if it's not self-evident? And regardless, regardless of where the gift came from or what you need to do with it, ultimately, you need to integrate it and use it in your life. You are not given gifts because you're so special. You're given gifts because you are the person who can move the energy of that gift into the world. Move it into the human family. Move it into the interconnectedness with all things. These gifts are not for you alone, but they are to heal you at the very least so that you can live your soul's purpose and bring those gifts to the world. So one way or the other, if you have been given gifts from spirit in a shamanic healing session, You need to integrate those gifts and to use them. Because the thing about not using gifts, people, and I mean this very seriously today, the thing about not using gifts is they will stop coming if you do not use them. It's like um, a hose. It's a flow. The more you receive those gifts and integrate them and express them out in the world, the more gifts that will come to you. If you've been blessed with an abundance of gifts that you've done nothing with, you've not integrated, you've not shared them with a soul, you've not shared them with the plants in your backyard or your plant box in your apartment in Manhattan, if you are not sharing the gifts you've been given, they will not, they will stop coming because you're clogging up the hose. So if you've been given gifts, use them. If you don't understand how to do that, truly don't understand how to do that, that is a good reason to schedule a follow-up session with your shaman. To understand 
the true nature of this gift, how do I integrate it, and how do I use it? And finally, Stacia asks uh, about the messages that were brought back from each. She says, I don't know what to do with them. Well, the first thing to do is find out from the practitioner, the shaman, how to interpret the messages. Are they literal or are they metaphorical? So now don't let the shaman say, well, I don't know what the messages were for you. Because the role of a shaman, anyone who is taking the stand as a shaman and receiving exchange of energy in any way for that task, their job is to integrate. I'm sorry, their job is to interpret the messages from spirit. That is the traditional role of the shaman. And this namby-pamby new age, oh, the message wasn't for me, it was for you. You make sense out of it, is bullshit. Sorry, um, seven-second delay and all. But... If you are taking any kind of remuneration in any form as a shamanic practitioner, you integrate your own damn journeys. I mean, what are you, a shaman or a mouse? Not that it's a bad thing to be a mouse. I have a good mouse helping spirit. But the point is that is your fundamental traditional role as a shaman is to interpret the messages from spirit. Do not weasel out. Once again, not to dump on weasels because these are all great helping spirits. But so back to Stacia. And her messages. You need to find out from the person who gave you the message whether spirit intended that message to be taken literally. And if so, go do it literally. Or was the message meant to be taken metaphorically? So what if the message is give birth? Okay, it's a really big deal whether that message is meant to be literal or metaphor. Okay, so you see my point? So do your best to act on the message if you can't figure out how. Once again, another reason to go to the shaman to find out how. It's another reason to have a follow-up session with a shaman. Now, everybody, all together now, even better than having a follow-up session with the shaman for all of these things, learn to journey yourself. Because if you learn to journey and had a working relationship with even just one helping spirit, you could take every single one of these questions in today's show to your helping spirit and find out precisely what you were supposed to do to follow up with your shamanic healing session. And this, people, is my challenge to all of you. If you've been listening to this show for more than six months or more than six months worth of shows and you do not know how to journey yet and you do not have one helping spirit, then get yourself to a class. Learn how to journey. And develop your own relationship with a helping spirit. So that's my challenge for you here today. I had a harder challenge for those of you who already know how to journey, but I'm running out of time. So what I want to make sure to do is thank the helping spirits in my life because they are the only reason I have any answers to these questions. There is nothing I learned from the people who taught me, who were lovely people and taught me good things about integration. That what I know about integration, I know from working with the helping spirits with people and the questions that they bring to me. So I want to thank the helping spirits in my life who work with me tirelessly because I am not an easy person to work with. And I thank them. And I thank all the people who have come to me to give me the questions that I brought to the helping spirits so that I could learn things. Because without the people, I would know nothing. Without the people that gave me the reason to act as a shaman, I would have nothing to offer. And this is what it means that the shamanic teachings belong to the people. Because without them, there would be no questions. Without the questions, there would be nothing to take to spirit. And without spirit's answers, 
there would be no traditions. So I give thanks to everyone in that circle that allows us to be um, co-creating with spirit in our life here today. I give thanks to the ancestors for being with us here today, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. I give thanks to Stacia and all of the other listeners who ask these humble questions. What do I do with a shamanic healing? And I give thanks to the helping spirits that have answers for all of those questions. Thank you, everybody, and have a great week.